All right, we are on the last week of the Toxic series, and I'm glad that you're here today and you've joined us because God's got a plan. And I just got to say, um, I got to rebuke the devil for a minute. Um, the devil's messing with me right now. Um, and so I, I pray that you'll take a moment, if you just get a second there, to pray that the devil get out of this place because the devil's messing with me right now, and I feel it. And you know what? That song where it said, uh, there's power in the name of Jesus, I just, through the name of Jesus, I just want to rebuke that out of here. I want to get that away from us. I want us to hear clearly what God has. And so, uh, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to power through that. I'm not going to let that overtake me right now um, because that's not of God. Um, I know God's wanting to um, do something and speak through me. And I know that I'm being oppressed by the devil right now. So I just, I just want to rebuke that out and just get that out of the way so that we can hear from God. Can we do that, amen? Yeah. Let's hear from God today, okay? Uh, I welcome you to Revolution Church. We are a life-giving church. We want to give life to people, and we can't do that with the devil oppressing us, so he got him out of the way. And we want to give life to you today. We want to help you in your journey of being a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, we do that by, by understanding and believing our core values that say that found people find people. We have a responsibility to tell other people about Jesus. We found something great, and man, we are excited to bless you with the name of Jesus Christ today. And um, we also believe that saved people serve people. We ought to serve our community. We ought to love on our community and be the community that we all want. Isn't it funny how we wish the community was different, but we really don't do a whole lot to change it. We like to complain about it. We like to say everything that's wrong with it, but we really don't step out and say, you know what? I'm going to be the difference maker here. I'm going to do something different. So we, we do that as a church corporately, as a body of Christ together by uniting and saying, let's serve our community. Let's do something great that's going to make a big impact. We also want to change because it's not the normal way of, of, of life to just do what we're doing. So we want to continue to grow into the person that God wants us to be. So I hope that's your prayer. And then ultimately, we want to live the vision. What's the vision? To see what Jesus sees so we do what he wants us to do. I was asked this week uh, at a church planning network conference, how many people in your church do you think actually know the vision of your church? And I said, overwhelmingly, like over at least 80%. And they go, there's no way. I said, dude, that's all we talk about, man, is the vision of the church of where we're going and what we're doing. And I love the vision because the vision isn't some far off distant thing. The vision is to see what God sees for you right now. And what God sees for you, Joe, today is completely different than what he sees for you. He said, and all the way across the board, each and every one of us, that vision is so individual. And so God has something specific today for you. It doesn't matter if you've been saved for one day, if you got saved last Sunday and you decided to come back, or if you, you know, you've been on this journey for quite some time, God has a specific plan in place and he's saying, this is how I wanna to communicate to you today. This is what you need for your life. And if you'll obey this little thing right here, if you'll do what I'm saying, I promise you that I'll show up. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. It'll be a, a phenomenal thing. So I just want us to live the vision. But, but we're, today I, I just felt impressed to talk about time. So today we've been in the series Toxic. And I want to talk to you about toxic time. Time being sucked out of our lives. What we do with our time. How the devil wants to steal our time. What God would have us to use our time for. And so today, I just hope that this will be a, a good teaching moment. And I say that, whenever I say teaching, I don't say that as, hey, let me tell you something that I, I'm telling you, God has been teaching me all week what this means. And I'm just in a state where I'm, I'm learning. I'm growing. I'm becoming who God wants me to be. Um, I've not arrived yet by any means. So if you're, if you're a guest with us today, don't think the pastor is elevated beyond any of the members of the church because it's not that way. We are all equal. We are all sinners saved by Jesus Christ. 
through his grace and through his blood shed on that cross for all of us. And so we're all equal. Everybody's a 10 in this church in some area. I'm just the guy that maybe speaks too much, all right? That's my, my 10. But for somebody else, you, there's so many gifts in this room. It's, it just blows my mind. So I want us to use our gifts. But let's define this word toxic as we go into talking about using our time. Toxic is simply anything containing poisonous material capable of causing sickness or even death. That's what toxic is. Let me go over it again because I know we're writing down. And I appreciate you guys. You guys are on it today. This is a good group of people. They already got their notes out. They already got the pens going. You're already shaking your pen to get the ink to work again from last week. It was in the truck and it froze. Anything containing poisonous material capable of causing sickness or even death. The devil can steal our time from us and cause us to honestly make our family sick, to make our relationships sick. It says there are even death to even kill off our relationships by us using our time in ways that are not profitable. And we, we many times we fall into that trap and we waste so much time doing things that really don't matter. Um, for me, I remember thinking in Ohio, you know, God wants to um, do something special here with us and he's calling me to start a, a, a new church. And I just remember thinking to myself, you know, Randy, you're 25 years old. What are you doing with your life? I just don't want to waste my life. And that's just what it was. You know, I don't want to waste my life. And this song I would literally, go ahead and tell that. I would literally play that song, Lecrae, Don't Want to Waste My Life, every day. Every day in the car. And Amy would get so annoyed. She'd be like, Randy, what are you doing? Like, seriously, I'm so sick of that song. And I'm like, I just don't want to waste my life, Amy. I don't want to waste my life. And that song just kept playing back in my mind over and over and over again. Don't waste your life. And God got a hold of me and he said, Randy, go do something kingdom-minded. Go do something that's important. Go do something with your life that matters. And you know what's funny? As I look, uh, and I always tell you I got the best seat in the house. As I look today at you guys, God has brought you here in this path, in this ministry, and he doesn't want you to waste your life either. He wants you to be a part of this team to do something kingdom-minded that's going to impact generations to come. Let me ask you a very thought-provoking question. Maybe you've never thought of it. What greater thing do you think that you could do in this world than to start a church that 100 years from now, when we're all gone, when we've all passed away, could still be giving life to people for generations to come? What more important thing could you do than that? Than something that you could build, that we collectively, not just as a household, you know, everybody wants to build their own little kingdom and build their own little household and say, this is the house that I live in. This is the career that I have. This is the path that we've taken. But what if we collectively came together? You know, we, uh, one guy could do a lot, but, but what if we all came together and built a kingdom that was more important than even our kingdom, God's kingdom? I just think that, that our kids, it could pass on from generation to generation where all of a sudden my kids grow up and I can see JJ and Jace and future kids of mine because we're hoping to have four, right? Amy, come on, four. Um, but, but for real, something that we do now can affect, it'll be a ripple effect that happens for our kids later on. Something positive, not something negative, something positive. Something that actually matters because there's so much out here in this world that does not matter. You know, it's funny to me when I think about the devil, and I don't like thinking about him. I just get ticked off the more I think about it. But the devil really knows what he's doing. Can we say amen to that? He, I don't want to give him credit, but he gets credit there. 
He knows what he's doing. Every sporting event happens on Sunday. Every single one of them. Every single one of them. It's just the way that it is. Um, UFC pay-per-views, um, wrestling pay-per-views, um, anything like that. What, what the, s- Saturday night, and it goes until like 2 in the morning, right? Why do you think that is? Because the devil was just like, yeah, Thursday will work. No, he was like, no, Saturday night, I'm going to keep you guys out as late as I possibly can. I'm going to suck as much time away from you. So that way, and by the way, when is triple-double time pay? When do you get extra pay? Weekends, Sundays. When does it, it's just, when I think about how smart he is, it just makes me so angry because I know what he's doing. And I want us all to see it so clearly that God has a plan for us, but, but the devil is just after us as well. He just is so after us. And I don't want you to waste your life. The last thing I wanna do is, is grow up and time flies by the way. And so I got a lot on my mind. I'm sorry, this is kind of jumbled, but got a lot happening to me right now. A lot happening to me. I don't want to grow up one day and think to myself, you know what, my kids are 20 years old and I taught them how to do this and this and this and this and this, but I forgot to spend the most important amount of time focusing on how to build into them their relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't want to look back one day and say I failed as a father because I wasted so much time teaching them about sports and weather and relationships that don't matter and all these things that are just dumb whenever I could focus them on something that's so, so important to them. It's my responsibility. And so I'm, I'm nervous about that because I'm going, okay, that's a heavy responsibility. If you're a man in the room, you know that God has called us to lead our families. We're to lead. Leading does not mean following from behind. <laughs> Leading means you go before. You do what's hard. You do what doesn't make sense to the rest of the world because we're against the flow, baby. We don't follow the world. We're growing people. Change. It's different. But you have to step up as the leader, as the man, and say, you know what? I lead this path, and I'm going to make sure that my family understands the truth of God's word. And so it's your responsibility as the man to just make that happen. So I don't want my kids falling in love with sports when I want them to fall in love with Jesus because the reality is when my kid gets messed up later on, he won't listen to anybody, including me, later on because that's going to happen. It always happens. He's not going to be able to go to the football field or the softball field for his answers. That's going to be the problem. He's going to go out there and he won't be able to find what he's looking for. And he'll be depressed and discouraged and he won't know where to go or turn to. But the only thing I will have taught him, if I'm not careful, is that that's where you turn to. That's not the answer. I just got to focus. There are three things that I want you to write down that I believe are super important for us to live the life that God wants us to live and when it comes to our time. But I want, I want you to see something very, very carefully. James 4.14, it says here, for what is your life? It's even a vapor. It appears for a little time, but then it does what? It vanishes away. Let's all read that together on the count of three. One, two, three. For what is your life? It is even a vapor. It appears for a little time and then vanishes away. The Bible's telling us very clearly here in the book of James that our life is gonna be here and it's gone. We blink and it's gonna be over. You know, I can remember the, the times when I was about JJ's age, I can look back to that and go, ooh, I remember thinking this and getting ready to go here and getting ready to go to school and about to go into that stage. I can remember certain things, but man, I'm 27 years old now. Life's flashed right before me. I remember thinking one day I'm gonna get a car and one day I'm gonna get married and one day I'm gonna go to college and one day, I've done all those things. That's all done. One day I'm going to have a career and one day I'm going to, and it's done now. 
Okay, I'm, I'm living that now. And uh, it's funny, I have those moments, I don't know if you guys as parents have these moments where you go, crap, Amy, I don't know if you realize this, but we have two kids. How did, like, how did this happen? And you have these moments, you're like, I'm a father. And it's like, yeah, you've been a father for almost four years. What's your problem, Randy? And I'm like, yeah, but, but like, I'm a dad. This is crazy. I have responsibility here. And my life has just flashed before my eyes. This is what the Bible tells us. That it's here today and it will be gone tomorrow. It will be gone before we know it. And so I want you to see three things. Write these down in your notes today when it comes to our time. Number one, we need to make sure we are wise with our time. Because if we don't, we may have a major problem. That's a long statement, but it's a good statement. We need to make sure we are wise with our time because if we don't, we may have a major problem. Let me tell you something about time with me. Um, I, am, I am not the most organized time management person in the world. Um, even though I know you guys believe that with all of your hearts and you would amen me right there, um, I'm totally not, so I must have you fooled. Um, but basically, I remember um, with my brother, Brian, he's a pastor in California. He is one of those guys that's just like me, but probably a little bit worse when it comes to time management, um, which that might be hard for you to believe, but he really is. And I remember saying, Brian, okay, I'm about to go back to Ohio. We were gonna take the plane ride. I said, when, when do you think we should leave in the morning? He said, well, you know, the airport tells you you gotta get there two hours early and make sure you're there and that you check in and you do all the stuff. You know the drill, you know, security checks, everything. And you wanna make sure you get there for that. And so he said, but two hours is what, they never, they're not gonna leave you, man. You paid the $138 to get here and $138 to get back. They're not gonna leave without you. So you don't need to worry about it. Well, you know, your plane leaves at seven. Let's, uh, let's leave at about six. So I said, all right, man, you know, I'm in California. I have no idea where I'm at. I'm staying at his house. I have no idea how far away it is to get to where I'm going. And so uh, I remember waking up the next day at six on my brother's good word that we would get there in time. And uh, I've got all my luggage and we get in the car and immediately, uh, you know, we just rolled out of bed too. We didn't shower, nothing, you know, just boom, straight to the airport. And, and, and Brian goes, uh-oh. I said, what? He goes, on my GPS, he says, it says that we're like 45 minutes away. And I was like, okay, what, what's the problem? And he goes, well, your plane leaves in about an hour. And he said, this is going to be tight. And I was like, all right. So we definitely didn't prep this out too well. But I remember um, I was actually there at, at my brother's church doing a day camp. And I was making balloon animals for the kids. And I had all my balloons packed in my luggage. I brought them there and I was taking them back. And I remember rushing in you know, he drops me off and I just jump out and I rush into this area. And I'll tell you, I saw the biggest line I've ever seen in my life in that security check thing. And so I, as your pastor, am willing to admit my faults and my, my sins, okay, before you. Um, I literally said, there's no way that I'm going to make this flight if I go stand in that line. So there was a young family there. You know how they have a family lane, a <laughs> family lane. And I stood by that family and we kind of got all the way up there. Of course, my name didn't match theirs in the end. The, the lady at the end, she said, sir, why were you in this lane? Cause that lane was like no line at all. And I go, because I'm gonna miss my flight if I don't get in here. And she said, okay. And she was real nice about it. I don't know why she was, but she let me through. And uh, I went in and they said, uh, go ahead and throw your, your stuff on there. You know, you take your carts out, the little bins, you throw your belt off, your shoes, the whole thing. I throw all my luggage on there. I throw everything on there. And they say, there's a weapon, loud. There's loud. And, and I go, well, it's not me. You know what I mean? I'm not worried about it. Okay, I'm looking around waiting. And then this, this security guy, there's like three or four of them. And this one security guy, he goes, stop right there to me. And I'm like, 
you know, looking behind me like, you're not talking about me, are you? And, and he says, stop right there. And I was like, what? And he goes, there's a weapon in your bag. I'm like, dude, there's no weapon in my bag. Of course, you know, when you don't believe something wholeheartedly and you're like 100% sure in your mind that you don't have a weapon in your bag, you get a little defensive, you know, especially when you got like four minutes to get to where you gotta go. Um, you're going, okay, dude, you're crazy. There's no such weapon in my bag. I'm a pastor, that doesn't happen, or I don't know what you're saying, blah, blah, blah. And so I get, I get mad because he's like, sir, you need to move away. And so I had just spit that thing out of that, that other end and I had went to just grab, I'm thinking I'm gonna grab my shoes and move away. He's like, don't touch anything, like jumped on me. And they swore me, they literally, they moved me. Waist up against the wall. I'm like up against the wall. I'm like, what in the world is going on here? And this guy is adamant. You have a weapon in your bag. We're gonna send that through again. And I'm like, dude, there is no weapon. So I'm getting agitated with him. He's definitely agitated with me. I'm like, he might cuff me. I don't know, he might cuff me. And uh, so I'm scared, I'm nervous. I'm like, what is this? I argued there for about five minutes about how my time, you know, we're not gonna be able to do da 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 da. I'm not gonna make this flight. I'm upset because I could have booked it through there when I had cut the line anyways. I don't know why I was so mad, but I just wanted to get on the plane. And uh, I remember they sent it through and they had this on, go ahead and throw that picture up on the screen. Um, this was in my bag. And listen, these scissors, um, this is a, like a, a, an image of what those scissors were. They're actually my brother's scissors. They were literally like this long. They were long, long scissors. I had totally forgot that I used them to cut the balloons. And from poor planning, I could have missed my flight, but it turned into a terrible situation because I argued with this guy back and forth, looked like an idiot. And they actually, believe it or not, they let me take those scissors on the, on the flight with me. And so the whole time on the flight, I'm like, dude, I could, I could just like get those scissors out and stab somebody. I won't do that. But, uh, but seriously, I'm thinking if I've got this on here, I wonder what everybody else has got on here because if they let me through. Um, the whole point of that story though, as crazy as that was, was I didn't plan well at all. And it turned into something really bad that didn't need to be really bad. And it was all because, you know, I just wasn't ready. I had no idea what was in my bag. I didn't have enough time to look into my bag. I didn't have enough time for them to even look in my bag. I just wanted to get where I needed to go. And I think for a lot of us, we all have a game plan as Christians, as followers of Christ. This is where we wanna go. We want our family to look this way. We want our kids to be raised and grow up to be this way. We have an end goal in mind, but without proper planning, we have major issues. When we're not wise with our time, bad things can happen. You can run into a major problem. And I, I love what the Bible says in the book of Ephesians. Um, go ahead and throw that up there. It says, see then that you walk circumspectly, redeeming the time because the days are evil. See then that you walk carefully, not as what? Fools but as wise. Now, it's, it's like a second grade question if I ask you, who wants to be fools and who wants to be wise? We would all say, well, we all wanna be wise, unless you're a fool, you'd raise your hand, right? Um, but, but we all wanna be wise. And the Bible says, see then that you walk carefully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. He's saying to walk circumspectly or carefully because there's a devil out there that's st stealing your time through a multitude of things. He's out to suck the life out of you, suck the life away from your family, suck the wife away from your kids, suck the, wife, the life away from you any way that he can to where you get into a situation where you've got a, a kid that's all screwed up and you don't know why. Well, you haven't had enough time. 
You don't have time invested in them. And it's created an issue. He says, redeem the time. Make the most of the time that you have. Take the time to think about the time that you have and focus that energy into what's important. Because the days are evil. We're in a time period in our country, guys, where it's bad. If you haven't, if you haven't noticed that, just turn on the news for a minute. I don't even watch the news. I try to stay away from the news because I don't want to hear all the garbage that's going on out there. It's scary what's happening. We're getting into those final days. The days are evil, and we've got to be wise on how we're going to use our time. There's a story that Jesus tells us in the book of Matthew, chapter 25. If you've got your Bible with you, and I hope that you do, or if you've got the YouVersion app on your, on your phone, go ahead and click to Matthew, chapter 25. We're going to examine a story about time today that I really want, want to convey to you that I believe God put in the Bible for a reason. I don't think there's anything in the Bible that's not supposed to be there. I think everything in God's word is there because God wants it there. And he's given it to us as a resource and a tool for us to learn. So Matthew chapter 25, we're gonna start in verse 14. This is the story of some talents, some talents that were given away. It says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one, here's what the guy who only had one talent, here's what he did. He went and he dug in the ground and he hid his Lord's money. He got real scared, didn't know what to do, so he, he dug in the ground and just hid it. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So the master comes back and says, hey, what'd you do with that money that I gave you? Verse 20, so he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents too, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord, the master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Let's see what happened with the guy with two talents. Verse 22, he also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Here's this last guy here who dug his uh, little hole and threw his talent in. Let's see what happens to him. Verse 24. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I know you are a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. So he gives him that one talent back. Verse 26, but his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with some interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's the story of the talents. 
Some of you are like, what just happened, dude? Let me kind of break this down for just a minute and talk to you. Let's just work through and wrestle through scripture here, what God's saying. In this story, we're seeing that Jesus told these guys, hey, there's a responsibility that's gonna happen with these talents. Now, he didn't tell them what the responsibility was. He just gave to each of them. So let me get some helpers up here. Nicole, jump on up. Zach, jump on up. Joe, jump on up. Front row seaters, this is what you get. Thanks for being a front row seater. Okay, each of these guys have different abilities. Come on over here, Joe, stand next to him. Each of these people have different abilities, different skills. Let's say that, that Joe has one skill, okay? He gets the one talent. Zach's got two and Nicole's got five. The, the master of the Lord came and said, this is what I give to you. He gives it to him and he leaves. Remember that story, he leaves, he takes off. These guys are left to their own. What I think is interesting about this story is he doesn't tell them what to do next. He doesn't say, here's what's gonna happen next. He just gives them the talent and says, there you go. The one guy takes and he digs his little hole and he puts his talent in there. The other guy, he goes out and he, he invests his time wisely. He invests into something that's gonna bring back something. Okay, it cost him something though. He had to go out and put some effort into it, some work. He utilized his time wisely. And because of that, when the master came back, he saw that he went from two to four. Same thing happened here. He went from five to 10. She utilized her time wisely, she invested. But what's interesting is the master never said, go do that. Never told them to go do that. Didn't give clear instructions, say, hey, when I give you this one talent, Joe, I want you to make sure you go out and you do this and this and this. He never told them that in this story. But there was an expectation that those people would understand what they needed to do and go do it. It was just a built-in expectation. And uh, as a church, we're not the ones responsible for changing lives. Once you see that, as a church, Revolution Church, we're really not the ones responsible for changing lives. The increase comes through Jesus Christ. He's the one that gives increase to the church daily. Uh, all throughout the New Testament, he added to the church daily as such should be saved, as he would give increase. Um, John chapter 14, verse six tells us that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through me. The only way that increase can happen in a church or, or in, a, in a group of people, increase can only happen when God gives increase. Doesn't happen any other way. I love that they're standing up here. They're like, how long am I gonna stand here? A little bit longer, a little bit longer. Here's what happens. There was, this, there was this expectation there that was not told to them. But I want you to know that we are these people right now, all of us. We are all these people. The master has gone away. Jesus has left this earth and he's left us here and he's given each of us responsibility that we have to, we have to build upon. It's an expectation, it's built in. And he did give us a commission that we're supposed to do certain things. So in this story, he doesn't give them anything. He says, hey, here it is. And when he comes back and returns, he just expects that they'll have done something with it. I think it's funny and unique that in the story he gives, he also gives us an expectation, but he tells us a little bit more. Maybe he just thought, you know what? We need a little more help than normal. Um, these guys look pretty goofy. So, so they're gonna need a little bit more help. Here's what he told us in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. I want you to read it with me. Let's look on the screens here. Matthew 28, verse 19 um, says, go therefore, make disciples of all nations. Now stop right here. This is what I'm doing right now. I'm doing my very best to disciple you in God's word. What is a disciple? It's teaching somebody and helping somebody to grow as a person. I don't know everything. I've already told you that. 
I'm just delivering to you what I feel like God wants me to deliver to you today. But I'm, I'm called, just as you are, to make a disciple of all nations. If you're the, the man in the house, you're called to lead your family and to disciple your own family. If you're relying on Pastor Randy to make that happen for you, man, I'm going to fail you because I'm not with your family every day. You are. God's given you the time with your family. And you got to capitalize on that time. That's a built-in responsibility. But he tells us, go therefore make disciples of all nations. Then what do he say? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We have a commission as a church. You know what's funny? The only organization that's commissioned to baptize is the church. It's the church. Who is the church? The people are the church. You are the church. I am the church. The type of church we are depends on our character and our willingness to obey Christ. How willing are we to invest the time into making the kingdom of God more profitable? That's what determines a good church or a bad church. The time people are willing to invest. You guys done yet? Are you guys like tired? You're done? You're like, please, please. All right. Thank you guys for your help today. Appreciate it. Love you guys. You're awesome. Awesome. Oh, they're like, you're weird. I don't care. I don't care. Listen, they each had a responsibility. He gave us commission. <coughs> and then he said at the last part of that verse, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. And what I love about scripture is he said, I am with you always, even into the end of the world. Amen. He says, utilize your time wisely. You've been given talents and abilities and gifts, and I want you to capitalize on it. Now, in this story, he didn't tell them what they were to do up front. He just expected that they were going to do it. He said, this is what you need to do. Some of you guys, um, that verse I just read, I want to teach you something here. That's known as the Great Commission. Okay, that's the great command of Jesus Christ. He gave this to all people so that they would know how to live life. If we'll just take that simple command, if you learn nothing else ever, if you never opened your Bible again, if you never heard another sermon preached, but you understood what the Great Commission was and you begin to live it, God would use you to do great and mighty things for his kingdom. Your time would be used wisely. If you would teach your kids these things, it would be used wisely. I focus on the man, but, but let me tell you, ladies in the room, you, you can teach your kids too. You have influence you have so much influence and you say, I don't feel like I have influence. Listen, I want you to reclaim that. Go reclaim it. Go spend time with those children of yours and I want you to build some faith into them. And you know what? Sometimes the best way to, to teach our kids is to model it, to model it. So the most effective way I believe is to say, you know what? This is the way that God wants us to live our lives. That's why we go to church. That's why we sing songs of praise. We don't just stand there, we sing. We offer our best back to God. We utilize and we capitalize that time for his glory. Number two, I kind of hit on it already. It says, there was a natural expectation that took place within the master that believed that the servant should be responsible to make something happen while he was away. That was a long statement. I'm going to read it again. There was a natural expectation that took place within the master that believed that the servant should be responsible to make something happen while he was away. Now listen, the Great Commission, right before Jesus, he, he dies on the cross and he pays for our sins. That's why he came. Right before he goes up to heaven, he leaves us with that command, go, baptize, teach, make disciples of all nations. I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'm with you, I'm here to help you. And right before he comes back, he's saying, I wanna see what you do in this middle time period. He was here, he left, gave this command, we're here right now living this out, hopefully, doing what God's asked us to do. And one day he will return. 
And when he returns, it's going to be an issue or it's going to be a celebration time. Either it'll be an issue because we haven't been using our time wisely or it'll be a celebration time because God's really utilized us for his glory. The same that was true of the servants back then is true of us today. We have responsibility. And I think responsibility is a good thing. Because here's what I think of when I think of giving out responsibility as, as a, a leader or as a boss. Maybe you're the boss of, or the owner of your company. When you give out responsibility, you're really giving out trust. Isn't that what you're doing? You're saying, I trust you to do something with what I'm giving you. I'm giving you a piece of this pie because I believe that you can handle what I'm about to give you. So I think it's good that Jesus gives us an expectation of responsibility because he's saying, I trust that you're going to take and use that time wisely because he thinks, he thinks highly of us. He, he values us. You say, you know, I just don't know where I can get involved and, and serve God at and use my time. Listen, there's so many areas of opportunity. and I think a lot of times I'm guilty of not communicating effectively how you can jump in. So I want you to just think about a couple things and pray over, you know, should God utilize you in this area? We have a need for someone to just serve God and manage and own being a parking crew manager where they're going to learn how to, to park people into the slot. Why is that important? It's important because we don't want anybody to ever, because of our limited parking outside, drive away because they think it's too, too packed or they can't find a spot to go. We never want a person to feel that way. And having a parking crew and being able to orderly de designate people, what that does is allows for people to hear the message of the gospel taught and it, eternal life to be given to those people. I don't want anybody who wants to hear about Christ not able to hear about it. And if that's a barrier, which parking, I believe in this, this facility is a barrier to us, if that's a barrier, we need to do our best as the church to utilize our time wisely and serve God in an area that can impact like that. That's a huge impact. If people can't come and hear about our church, then what, what, we can't make a big impact. Somebody in this room needs to step up and do that ministry. And you serve God in that way. You could also um, serve by coming and transforming the daycare center. We couldn't even sit here today in the scenario that we're in right now with the screens, the lights, the chairs, everything that we have without people coming and investing their time into setting up. Here's the thing, week to week, new people come in here. New people have an opportunity to hear the message of Jesus Christ. Go teach the gospel, disciple all nations. This is what we're doing. We're living in this time period. That's why we move all this. That's why we vacuum. That's why we spray air freshener. That's why we do everything we can to make it easy for people to hear about Jesus. There's people in this room that you know that you need to serve God in those areas. Say, I just didn't know where to start. Start at five o'clock on Saturday. Come help us move all this. Help us get this going because people need to hear about the message of Jesus Christ. Jesus changes lives, man. He's changed my life. There's other areas. You could help in our Rev Kids ministry. You can love on those kids. You can make an impact there. We need some help in there. We, need, we can never have too many volunteers to love on babies. You can never have too many volunteers. We need you. We need you to help. Say, somebody else can do it. No, 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 no. Maybe God's wanting you to do it. Step out of your comfort zone a little bit and do that. Maybe for, for others of you, there's another area of opportunity. You say, you know what? I really want to help launch this church. We are starting an intern program where you can sign up and you can say, I want to intern. I want to weekly get involved. I want to get in the trenches with you, Randy. I want to be here week to week and help you go to that next hump, that next level and get past it. I want to be in the war with you. If that's what you want to do, I want you to sign up to be an intern. You can go online, revchurchdx.com, fill out that little form. I'll know that you want to be a part of that and we'll connect you and we'll plug you in. There's so many areas of opportunity for you to serve God. There's no reason in this world why we should go bury our own talents. 
There's no reason in the world. Don't get caught in the trap that the devil would have you get trapped in. Don't second guess what God has given you. Go capitalize on what God has given you. Take that gift and you say, this is what I'm going to do with it. I'm going to make the most out of it. The point of the message kind of to kind of sum it up is number three, we will all be held accountable one day for how we used our time to honor God. We all will be held accountable one day for how we used our time to honor God. And I think this is very, very important that I speak to this. I don't think I'd be a very good pastor if I told you that God's a loving God and never talked to you about what would happen in the end if you don't truly give your life to Christ. I think I'd be a terrible pastor to, to slant it one way and lead you to believe one thing, all knowing that the Bible says that there's another side of this too when we don't obey. I want to give you a full picture, and I hope that you can respect that from a pastor that says, I'm not going to just pick and choose. I'm going to give you all scripture. Here's what God says about managing our time wisely. And for those that manage wisely, there's good things. And for those who don't, well, you'll see. Matthew 25, verse 31. Now, I love how the story goes. It just continues on here. We're just staying in the same chapter. We're just continuing on. Here's what it says. When the Son of Man, when Jesus comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. In other words, he's king, all right? He's ruler, we we'll all know it, he's the man. All the nations will be gathered before him. That's everybody, not some, not just China and Japan. It's everybody, we're in that. All nations will gather together before him and he will separate them from one another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Now stop right here just for a minute before we keep going. God knows who's truly investing their life to follow him. See, you can fool me. You can fool your family. You can fool each other. We can fool one another and say, I'm truly serving God. I'm truly worshiping. I'm truly giving. I'm truly. And you may have me fooled. And you, I might think, dude, you're right here. You know, we're all fooling each other. I don't know. But God, the good shepherd, knows the difference between people that actually invest their time in following God and people that say they invest their time in following God. There's a difference. So he's separating the sheep from the goats. He's saying the sheep go on this side, the goats go on this side. Let's keep reading together. It says in verse 34, then the king will say to those on his right hand, come you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Listen to this, I want you to catch this. This is so powerful. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then here's what the righteous will say. The righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, assuredly, I say to you, and as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Stop real quick. I want you to see something. Everybody look up at me for a second. God spoke to me this week as I read that passage. He said, Randy, when we park people, you're really parking me. You're ushering me in to the service. He said, Randy, whenever you're investing in those kids, you're really investing in the least of these. You're investing in me. When you're loving on those kids and you're teaching those kids and you're ministering to them, you're investing in me. 
when you speak to those teenagers and you encourage them and you, you build relationship with them, you're really doing that to me. He said, Randy, when people are greeting one another in the church and they're, they're being friendly to each other, they're really doing that to me. He said, Randy, whenever those people get up and they start to lead worship, they're really leading worship to me. Those people, whenever they're singing those songs of praise, they're, they're singing that to me. Everything that we do and communicate as a church, all the work that we put in, it's all for Jesus Christ. These guys said, when did we see you naked and, and come? When did we see you in prison? When were you hungry and we feed? We didn't do any of that. He says, no, 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 but you did. But you did. Because when you did it to them, you did it to me. And I think this is so powerful. I talked to you about not wasting your time and planning the most out of your time because something bad could happen if you don't. You know, you may have a major problem. The worst thing that you could do is live your life here on this earth, a life that vanishes away very quickly, that's here and gone, and never give your life to Jesus Christ and make him Lord, leader, and CEO. It's like, it's like finding out that you have scissors in your pocket. It's gonna be a bad day. It's gonna be a bad day when you stand before Christ and you're held accountable. Let's read on. And here's what happens to those who don't know Christ, okay? Verse 41, then he will also say to those on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, Assuredly, I, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. See the contrast there? The Bible is so clear. You say, Randy, I don't know if I like that. That makes me feel uncomfortable. Well, listen, you can get mad at me all you want, but I didn't write that. God wrote that. This is his word and this is what he says. He says, redeem your time because the day is evil. Make the most of it. Are you a sheep or are you a goat? Are you gonna do the things that God's asked you to do or are you not? Because ultimately this affects your family. This affects your finances. This affects your relationships. This affects your education. This affects your whole world. Because we're only here on this earth to bring honor and glory to God. That's it. And when we're not doing that, we're wasting time. We're wasting time. So there are those of you in the room, you say, man, I really want my, my life to get on track. Well, today's the day. You gotta make decisions and you gotta make true commitments. And yes, we're tired. And yes, we're hungry. And yes, we're whatever. But listen, God's got more for us than, than what we've got here. If this is the best it gets, then this isn't the, isn't the greatest I think that we could have had. I think we would have wasted our potential. I think it gets so much better than this. I think corporately as a church, the church can't go forward until individually we go, we go forward. That's the truth of the matter. Until we're individually healthy as families, we can't go to the next level. So my number one goal is to pour into you things that are gonna help you. Okay, so first, first and foremost, just to wrap the whole thing up, how are you using your time? I want you to think right now, question to wrestle with, where do you spend most of your time throughout the week? Everybody right now, think about that. Where's most of your time going? Now think about secondary. Where's, where's the second most amount of your time going? Most of you would probably said, I had to work and da, 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 da. Where's the second most amount of your time going? 
process that through. You only got so many hours in a week. This will lead to some good discussion at the dinner table tonight. You guys should talk and you guys should, you know, with your families communicate. Say, Amy, where do you feel I'm lacking? I do that because time management's important. Where am I not giving my best at? Because here's the reality. We only got so much to give. Am I right? Am I right? Y'all feel that? You only got so much to give and there's a lot to do. I feel that too. But I want us to understand that we've got to get healthy as a family. And as we get healthy individually as families, what happens is the, the church family gets really healthy. And then we can be the church that God ultimately created us to be. But if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ today and you say, you know what? I've never made him Lord, leader, and CEO. I don't want you to leave here without knowing how you can do that. Because the, the worst thing that could happen to you is for him to say, you know what? You're not a sheep, you're a goat. And I have to cast you into everlasting judgment. That's the worst thing that could happen.